0: Thank you so much. Why don't we continue welcoming those joining from Leicester, online, wherever you're watching, from around the UK and around the world. Just a quick one before I get going. Please pray today for my emotional and mental well-being. Last day of the Premier League. I need extra prayers uh, for that. Uh, But more seriously, we're continuing this Really important series on the Sermon on the Mount that we've entitled Living Your Best Life. And last few weeks, we've done a kind of an overview of Matthew chapter 5. And haven't the team done an amazing job in unpacking the Word to us? Why don't we just honour everybody who's contributed? And the title we kind of gave that first chapter to encapsulate what it's about Is the phrase living distinctively, living differently to the culture around? And, you know, as we continue into Matthew 6, that theme does continue, but I also believe there's another emphasis that comes through. And so, again, the emphasis for Matthew 6, we've entitled as living securely. The big question is how do you and I live securely in an insecure, Well, let me illustrate. A guy called Mike Plant, who was one of the most accomplished sailors of his generation. He'd already circumnavigated the world. And so in the autumn of 1992, he set out to cross the Atlantic in a state-of-the-art boat that was designed to withstand all weathers. Yet within two weeks of the voyage, something had gone wrong, and they'd lost all radio contact with him. When the rescuers eventually found the boat, it had capsized and plant was missing. The reason was that somehow the 8,000-pound weight that was attached to the keel that was designed to hold the boat steady had somehow got detached. And here's the punchline. It meant that there was insufficient weight below the waterline to counterbalance the weight above, and the result was Disaster. Here's the point. If we follow the prevailing culture of our world today, where the focus is what, on what can be seen in our lives, as it were, above the waterline issues, and we don't attend enough to our private world, to inner our inner life, and to building, as it were, sufficient weight below the waterline, the result can be that we're not necessarily going to be strong enough to withstand the storms of life. But the good news is, Matthew chapter 6 and Jesus' teaching gives us some clues as to how we can build strength, as it were, in the private parts of our life so that we can withstand any storm. Amen? Amen? And the key is found in one word. I did a study of this a few months ago, and I was struck by the fact that three times in chapter 5 and two times in chapter 7, this word appeared. But in Matthew 6, in the central chapter of the Sermon on the Mount, one word appears 12 times, as if by way of Jesus' suddenly turning up the, the volume on this particular word. Do you know what that one word is? Father your heavenly Father, our Father in heaven. Time and time again, Jesus, as it were, turning up the volume on the fact that the key to living securely in an insecure world is not just living a moral life, it's about having a loving, secure dynamic, ongoing, life-changing relationship, not with any father, but with not with an imperfect human father, but with our glorious, wonderful, loving, eternal heavenly father. That is the key to living securely in an insecure world. Aren't you glad that you know God as your father? What a wonderful, wonderful privilege. And this emphasis on God as the father underpins then this section that we're going to be focusing on today and next week, which is Matthew 6, verses 1 to 18. Jesus picks up on three core, as it were, spiritual practices that were fundamental to Judaism. They were giving, praying, and fasting. Can we say that? Giving, praying, and fasting. Now, Jesus assumes that we will do these three things. So he doesn't say, if you give... If you pray, if you fast, if you go back to Matthew chapter 6, he says, when you give, when you pray, when you fast. All of these were supposed to be, as it were, below the waterline activities. Things that were supposed to be done in a Father-focused way by which we would build, as it were, weight below the waterline that would actually increase our security. And what Jesus is doing here is he's not trying to tell us to do these things. He assumes that we will. He's actually trying to correct something that was going on in the culture of the day where the religious hypocrites were taking these below the waterline activities, things that were supposed to be done before the Father in, in secret, as it were, And they were taking these things and they were using them basically for show. They were trying to impress others with their supposed generosity and spirituality. And Jesus basically says to them, they've got their reward, which is supposedly other people thinking, wow, aren't they the spiritual bunch? But Jesus' teaching here said that we're to do these things, but we're to do them in a Father-focused way. Now, all three of these are critical, um, but because we're going into this week three days of prayer and fasting, (laughs) that's what I'm going to focus on today. And then next week, we're going to look at the whole theme of giving, giving, particularly giving to uh, those in need. So, two keys to living securely, two keys to living a father focused life. The first thing is, and this is what Jesus teaches on here, he majors on father focused praying. Can we say that together? Father, focus, praying. First, Jesus tells us how not to pray. He says, When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Notice their motivation. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Now, quick word. If you look at the whole of the Scripture, including Jesus' practice and teaching, he's not saying it's wrong to pray, as it were, publicly with others. In fact, all through the Bible, there's encouragements on great power when we pray together, just like we're doing over these next three days. The, The issue is not private or public prayer. The issue is, what's the motivation? Here, their motivation was they were trying to pray, or they were praying to impress others. But here, Jesus' focus is on private prayer and on the right motivation. He says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Notice there, the focus is on the Father and on the Father's Reward. So the question is, and this, this can be a, a puzzling issue sometimes for, for many uh, of God's people. If we are saved by grace, how many agree we're saved by grace? We don't do anything to earn God's favour or our salvation. He loves us unconditionally in Christ. How then do, does rewards get in? We're not somehow teaching salvation by works. Well, let me give you an illustration. If I think of our grandson, Toby who's now nearly seven months old, I love him deeply and unconditionally. And I love to spend time with him. But when I do spend time with him, I mean, isn't he just, gay? I mean, just, I've got it big time bad. I mean, I just love him so much. But when he, when he, you see, so I love him anyway. I love him whether he eats his food or drops his food. I love him whether he's happy or whether he's sad. But when I actually get to spend time with him and I sing little silly little songs and do little jigs and he giggles away, I mean, what it does on the inside of me, I'm like, wow. And then when I go towards him and kiss him and he lunges forward to try and bite my nose, I mean, it's just like, it's incredible. And the point being is I love him anyway, but there's something about actually spending time with him and being close. It's almost like I want to bless him all the more. And, you know, it's an imperfect illustration because I'm, I'm an imperfect granddad. But God, our Heavenly Father, loves us unconditionally. But do you know what the Father loves? He loves it when his kids spend time with him. We often think about prayer from our side. Think about it from God's side. He loves it when we actually say, I'm going to set aside some time because Dad, you're the most wonderful person in my life, and I just want to tell you how much I love you and how magnificent you are. Don't you think that does something to the heart of the Father? And so there's something of his reward. And the Bible says, doesn't it, when, as we draw near to him, the God who's already present with us and living on side, somehow he draws near to us and we experience the, the, the pleasure of being in his presence. Wow, isn't it incredible? So the question is, what does Father focus praying on? look like? Well, if we go back to Jesus' teaching here, it starts by finding the right time and the right space. Jesus said, when you pray, there's an assumption of a time set aside, go into your room, let's focus on a place. So first, the time. How many of you are natural larks? That is, uh, you naturally at best in the morning. Show of hands, any larks here? How many of you are natural owls? You're better at night. How many are you not sure whenever you're at your best? (laughs) Well, I'm a natural lark, and so that means I'm at my best in the morning. I naturally wake up early, and as long as i have had a reasonable sleep, I feel pretty fresh. And so I like to give my best time to the most important activity of my day. I like to spend time with the Father. And then, of course... Uh, You know, prayer is not just boxed in. (laughs) We're in relationship with God. So I like to punctuate the rest of my day, uh, sort of connecting with the Lord. Now, and occasionally, I like longer times. Sometimes I'll I'll go away for a prayer day or even have longer seasons of prayer. Now, you may be just starting out. Maybe you've never really learned how to pray. Well, can I tell you, don't start trying to pray, uh, you know, five hours. Why not just start with 10 minutes? For some of you here, it may be, you know all about prayer. So I've heard, I know we're supposed to pray, but you just completely gone out of the habit. Other things have squeezed in. Why not use um, the, this, this message in these next three days as an opportunity to get back on track and to get back a set-aside time uh, with the Lord? For others of you here, you may be already walking with the Lord. Let's let's invest further in the most important relationship with all. Let's build, as it were, fresh, even more weight below the waterline. So that's the place. Secondly then, it says, then go into your room. Now that can be a place somewhere in your house. The point is, somewhere that is quiet, somewhere is alone. I have a favourite chair or favourite chairs particularly chairs that I don't associate with work or I don't associate with TV. There's something when I sit in that very chair, it's like, okay, this is alone time with the Father. But I also like Jesus in his his life. He says, go into your room. But of course, Jesus spends much of his prayer, doesn't he, time outside. He goes to lonely places. He goes up mountains. Hard to find mountains around here, but I love to go outside and find as it were, alone spaces of the Lord. Think about the best location where you think you're most going to be able to really dial in and have um, time with your Father in an uninterrupted way. So we've got the time, we've got the space, but then the real focus of Matthew chapter 6 is basically on the way to pray, how to pray. And so he says, I don't want you to babble along like pagans, just somehow through you know, repetitious words or certain formulas is somehow going to get the attention of a reluctant being or a reluctant deity. No, Jesus wants to emphasize this is father-focused praying. So he says, pray with childlike confidence because your father knows what you need before you ask him. And then the punchline, he says, this then is how you should pray. Now, question for you. If Jesus... Physically manifested here, he appeared right here, the resurrected Jesus from heaven, and say, Kingsgate, I want to teach you how to pray. How many of you at least pay attention? How many might unfold your arms and get a pen out? (laughs) You'd lean forward, wouldn't you? You'd be like, okay, uh, would you at least give it a try? Well, can I say, if Jesus said it in the Word, it's no more sure than if he turned up here in person. If Jesus said, this then is how you should pray, then I believe we need to take serious attention to his words. And if you track through the Gospels, he doesn't say this twice, doesn't say it's once, he says it twice. He says it here in Matthew 6 in the Sermon on the Mount, and then later on, in response to the disciples' question, Lord, teach us how to pray, he repeats, in effect, the same prayer all over again. I don't know whether he's saying, I told you uh, a year and a half ago, <laughs> I'm telling you again. This then is how you should pray. So I'm gonna um, to say the Lord's Prayer. You might just like to, if you wanna set a stopwatch, you know, just count how long it's gonna take me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. That probably took about 15 seconds. I've been teaching this for about 35 years. I was in a particular forum once. And a couple of ladies were first. They did it and they put their hands up and said, how, how long? I said, how long did you take to pray that prayer? And they said, nine seconds. I said, how come you're so fast? They said, we're Catholics, we practice all the time. <laughs> but the, 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 this, was, this was the game changer for me. As a young Christian wanting to learn how to pray, my mind wandering all over the place and I'd been brought up to pray the Lord's Prayer like that. Maybe not quite that fast, but just repetition. Now, can I say, if you want to say anything, say the Lord's Prayer. (laughs) It's better than a lot of things we can say. You know, if you're awake in the middle of the night, nothing wrong with praying the Lord's Prayer or saying it like that. But that was not what Jesus really meant when he said that. He's teaching us a rabbi, and he's basically giving us, and this was a complete game changer for me, is that he's giving us like topical outline for how we can base our prayer time around. So run 15 seconds, you can pray it for 10 minutes, you could pray it for an hour in your hour prayer slot. You could even take a whole day, as it were, lingering on each part of the Lord's prayer. And the key, of course, is it starts with a focus on the Father. And this is what I like to do. I wake up reasonably early, mandatory cup of tea to get myself going, sit down in my chair, do some journaling um, just to kind of open up my heart and prepare myself to hear from God, do my Bible reading and then unless it's absolutely atrocious weather, I almost always like to go outside and I view praying the Lord's Prayer almost like a journey. So if I've got... A short time, I'll pray quicker. So a few minutes maybe on the first part of the prayer, then the next part of the prayer. And it's amazing how long you can pray, how focused you can pray if you kind of know where you're going ahead of time. Now, it's relational, not formulaic. I like to pray a lot in the Spirit as I'm praying the Lord's Prayer. Here's one I want to bring home here. When Jesus said, your Father will reward you when you pray, if we would had time, we could look at multiple rewards throughout the Bible of the rewards of prayer. But I want to just show you here that the rewards are actually contained within the prayer themselves. So as I pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, I enter into his presence, and there's nothing like the presence of God. As I pray on a regular basis, your kingdom come, your will be done over my life, over Karen, over our family, over the Kingsgate, over other areas and praying wider. I can go confident into my day that the purpose of God is at work. As I pray, and I've been praying this way for 35 or so years, give us this day our daily bread. I can be secure on behalf of our lives, on behalf of the church, other people we're praying for, but the provision of God is on the way. Hallelujah. As I pray regularly and check in, forgive me, Lord, as I walk free from unforgiveness, I can know that I'm walking in the pardon and the cleansing and the forgiveness and the freedom of God. And then as I pray regularly, Lord, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. I can know that I'm going into the day, as it were, with a spiritual force field around me. I am walking in his protection. So run, see as a formula. See as a way of just encountering God and him ministering to your needs. Now, I haven't got time today to unpack how to pray the Lord's Prayer. That's why starting tomorrow morning, we're releasing the first video. I teach on the first section, then Tuesday, next couple of sessions, and then somebody else gonna be covering the last section on Wednesday. And we're gonna be praying through the Lord's Prayer in the online prayer meetings. I encourage you to get involved because not only will you have a great time there and then, but it's gonna teach you how to pray. How many are ready to go deeper in the Lord's Prayer? Whether it's starting out or whether it's moving forward. So that's the first thing. We are involved in father focused praying. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He combines this with father focused fasting. Say that word out loud, it won't kill you. Fasting. Now, let me start with the definition of fasting a spiritual discipline that is taught in the Bible whereby we voluntarily, <laughs> voluntarily reduce or eliminate our intake of food, say food, for a specific time and purpose. Now, I don't know about you, I've said it many times. This is a good confession. I love food. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing, isn't it? Food's obviously nourishing. It's essential for our physical life and well-being. And it's also extremely tasty. And I love feasting in an, an appropriate way. And so because food is such a good thing, it's a natural appetite, when you start talking about fasting, <laughs> It can be really challenging, not just to new Christians, but people maybe being Christians for years. I think many Western Christians kind of zone out when you start talking about fasting. It's like you say to them, Do you pray? Yes. Do you give? Maybe. Do you fast? No way! I and mean, it's like we, we almost rank these things. Jesus doesn't. He assumes that all three are part of building weight, as it were, below the surface. And in many other cultures, of course, and throughout church history, people seem to get the, the power of fasting so much more. Because there's a, a record. So, so why then fasting? We've already established that God is a good, good father. Why would a good, good father who wants to bless us, who knows he's made us, to need and to enjoy food. Why would God, who's a good father, say for a short period of time, I mean, it's, you know, do without or, limit or, or or reduce food. Why would he do that? Because he knows that something happens to us when we fast that means we position ourselves, especially with prayer and the word and worship, to receive in the spirit things that often aren't manifest because we're so stuffed up with our own appetites and needs and burdens, we can't hear God clearly. We can't focus in the Word. We can't pray. But when we fast, things get broken off our lives, and things get manifested through prayer and fasting that often aren't released any other way. Those of you who've been praying, fasting, and clapping, all the rest of you, are like, and what's next? So it's a, so. So why why the conviction? Because we didn't make this up. It's taught throughout the Bible. So much so that for Jesus, he hasn't got to convince a first-century um, uh, Jewish audience about fasting. So he doesn't say, "If you if you fast, now I really think you ought to fast," because no, he, they, they knew that. Hence, he says, "When you fast." His his issue here was again correcting their misuse of fasting. So when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they're fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Beginning to get the, the, the pattern. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father is unseen. Your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now again, he's talking here about a private fasting, Again, throughout Scripture, there's also almost an altogether fast. The key, again, is not whether it's private or public. The key issue is, why are we doing it? Are we trying to impress others? We already have our reward. The only reason for fasting is to do it, to build and strengthen our relationship with our Father in heaven. Amen? So the religious hypocrites were trying to impress others. Ironically, they were trying to get security that way, whereas God says, if you will genuinely commit to spending extra consecrated time with me, you're going to strengthen your security. So how do prayer and fasting work together? Well, you know, here's, here's another whole uh, six-part sermon series. <laughs> but in a nutshell, prayer is powerful because God is an all-powerful God. Amen. Almost I would say that because of what fasting does for us in helping us become sharper, it's almost like um, fasting turbocharges our prayers. Hence Jesus said, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So the question is, what is the primary reward of fasting? I've said this for years. Fasting is not just about the physical side of doing without food. That's called a diet. (laughs) Fasting is about reducing or eliminating intake of food so that we may spend more time focusing on the Father. In other words, fasting is about feasting on God. So with that as our primary reward, I've just done a quick kind of study throughout the Bible and I'm not saying this is an all comprehensive list, but it's a nice full list. These are some of the rewards or the benefits of fasting, either promised or realized in real stories throughout the Bible. Just take a look at this list. I'm not gonna unpack each one. I just wanna read the list. Spiritual victory and breakthrough. Protection, deliverance, health and healing, humbling of our souls, disciplining of the body, victory over temptation, increased intimacy with God, hearing from God, preparation for new seasons of ministry. Now just take a look at that list. Is it any wonder there's a battle for fasting? Do you think the devil likes it when we fast? I believe hell starts trembling when God's people really get serious before the throne of God in prayer, in worship, and in fasting. So I've got a question for you. Over these next few days, do you want McDonald's or do you want miracles? Do you want burgers or do you want breakthroughs? I mean, it's not a hard choice, is it? We're not talking about forever. You will have your burger on a Thursday if that's what you're into. The point is for a period of time to seek God. And I don't know about you, as I look at that list, I want to say, Lord, do a whole bunch of that over these next three days. And I wanna if we can keep that Put that list back up again. Because I want you to look at that list and I want you to almost like, so what leaps out to you? I mean, we want to see all of that. But there may be a specific thing you say, as well as the number one, which is I just want to spend more time with the Lord and if I have an increase of his presence in my life, that's amazing. But there may be one or two things you say, I'm believing God for that. I'm believing for specific Breakthrough. Why not write it down? And 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 so you're going purposefully. Now, a quick thing on practical. Jesus doesn't teach us about different types of fasting. There's water-only fast. There's juice fasting. There's what we call Daniel fast, which is you do without certain foods. The shorter fast. I remember when I was first a Christian, I did um, a, a sort of 24-hour period of fasting um, once a week for about 18 months at unique We're doing a three-day fast. Those of you who who love fasting and seeking God, in September, we're going to do a 21 days of worship and fasting. So looking forward to that. Um, And and if you've never fasted, just start somewhere. Good suggestion from one of the team. On Monday, fast one meal. Prove yourself you're not going to (laughs) die. You build up your confidence, day two. Why not fast two meals, and then on Wednesday you can fast three meals? You get, you get the point. Just get involved somewhere, somehow. And by all means, fast social media or TV or, or other stuff. And of course, if you can't medically fast for um, physical reasons, then these ways are obviously things that you can lean into. Interestingly, there's an increasingly positive view of physical benefits of fasting in our culture. Um, where it's almost like a detox, But the difference between a diet and a biblical fast is motivation. We are not just fasting for physical reasons, we're fasting to spend more time with the Father. Amen? I want to finish with a testimony from one of our young adults. Just before our last three days of prayer and fasting, a very unexpected and difficult relational situation arose, which had real potential to cause significant long-term breakdown in my family. The situation was pretty bleak, and I clearly felt God's invitation to specifically pray and do a full juice fast. Fasting and praying with a particular focus for a breakthrough miracle during the three days, which I did. I also had some close friends who were fasting and praying for me too. From the first morning, I had fresh peace and confidence to trust God as my father and was aware of his nearness and comfort. On the third day of the fast, a complete breakthrough happened in my family exactly as I was praying for and things suddenly, completely turned around with an immediate end to the cause of the situation, meaning family relationships could then rebuild." A few months on, family breakdown has been completely avoided and I'm so thankful. I had some expectancy, but the speed and timing of this breakthrough was far more than I could have imagined. I have no doubt whatsoever that this was a result of prayer and specifically prayer with fasting. And about you, I want to say, amen, amen, do it again, Lord. May we experience breakthroughs and miracles, some manifesting in the three days and some manifesting beyond. Let's pray. Wherever you're watching right now, this is an opportunity for us to respond to the Lord. And I really want to just start where I began, which is the key to living securely in an insecure world is all about having a real relationship with God as your heavenly Father. And if you don't know the Father, you're you're not born again, you're not a child of God, or maybe you've drifted away. Maybe you're watching online, maybe you're here in the room, maybe you're in Leicester, wherever you're watching. I believe for many people, this is a kind of, this is a day the heavens got marked for you to come home. The Father is here with arms wide open He made the way. There is no obstacle, because Jesus Christ cleared the way through his death and his resurrection. He is right now at the right hand of the Father, and by the Holy Spirit, he wants to welcome you home. So right now, why don't you just pray a simple prayer, saying, Father God, I want to know you. I repent of my sin. I turn away from my selfishness of trying to put my security in my way of doing things and I want to come back or I want to come to you and put my trust in you. Father, come into my life by your Holy Spirit. I want to be your child. And then for, for the rest of us, let me just ask you a question. How can you start or deepen your relationship with the Lord? What has God spoken to you on? For some of you, maybe, okay, I wanna start setting aside a a regular time and I wanna recommit to that. As I was speaking, or maybe right now you think, ah, uh, that's the place I wanna pray or I wanna start praying again. And then let me just make clear, what I've said, is not the only way to pray. There's loads of great ways to pray. But I felt the Lord challenging me recently to make this again a core part of my praying on a regular basis. And it's been wonderful. Think how you can grow deeper in the Lord's prayer. If you've been on the journey for a long time, maybe the Lord is gonna call you to commit to spending more time with him. My sense was not just to view these three days as a standalone, but ways that we're gonna experience a breakthrough with the Lord that will set us up for a whole summer of increased intimacy with God And then back to the prophetic word we've been sharing. And as a result, this month is like a kickstart for a whole new season of breakthrough miracles and acceleration of the move of the Holy Spirit. If you agree with that, say amen. So why don't we stand together? And we're gonna, as it were, set our course for the next three days. We're gonna sing a song called Our Father where we're gonna be, Literally coming before the Father and worshipping Him. We're going to be singing parts of the Lord's Prayer. And then I'm going to come back and we're going to do some praying. To seal some things in. I believe the Lord wants to move right now. And bring breakthrough and miracles in Jesus' name. So why don't we all just lift our hands. As a, in an atmosphere of honour and love and gratitude. To this wonderful, generous, generous, giving and forgiving Father. Let's worship Him.